On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla releases its Q2 financials and holds its quarterly earnings call. As always, I've got highlight clips from Elon Musk and the Tesla executive team, plus my analysis of one of the strangest quarters in recent Tesla history. Stay tuned. friends, Ryan McCaffrey alongside Daisy the Boxer with you for episode 364 of Ride the Lightning. It is for the July 24th episode here. There is so much to talk about because it is the quarterly earnings call. One of my favorite episodes to do that I get to do four times a year. Go through the entire earnings call and the shareholder letter. Pick out all the good stuff. Get all the highlights for you. Put those together and I'll talk about all of that stuff, give you my take on everything. But before I get started with that, I wanted to note that I hope all of you who are backing me on Patreon at the Ludicrous Tier or higher enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode, which was about a rumor that I heard about Tesla a couple years ago. It was about the product roadmap. And the reason I did a, a mini episode about this is because at this point in time, it's become clear that this rumor is not going to come to fruition. So now I thought I would share this thing in full and it kind of serves as a really fascinating what if kind of discussion. So uh, you can check that out at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast if you're already a Patreon backer or if you're not, that's the site you can go to to learn more about the Patreon and all the different perks at all the different tiers, including that weekly bonus lightning round mini episode. All right, let me start as I like to with the shareholder letter, which gets released a little bit before the call happens so that people have a little time to read through that, absorb the information, and then the earnings call happens and we hear from Elon and the Tesla team. So let's start with the big picture stuff and that is the news was good. Tesla summarizing things by saying, we continued to make significant progress across the business during the second quarter of 2022. Though we faced certain challenges, including limited production and shutdowns in Shanghai for the majority of the quarter, we achieved an operating margin among the highest in the industry of 14.6%, positive free cash flow of $621 million, and ended the quarter with the highest vehicle production month in our history. They later added, with each of the Fremont and Shanghai factories achieving their highest ever production months and new factory growth, we are focused on a record-breaking second half of 2022. Those numbers, $2.5 billion of gap operating income, the aforementioned 14.6% operating margin in the quarter, $2.3 billion of gap net income, $2.6 billion non-gap net income in Q2, and 27.9% gap automotive gross margin in Q2. Just continually impressive numbers from Tesla. Now, a, a sizable chunk of cash for this quarter also came in through Tesla by them liquidating most of their Bitcoin assets, but... We will get to more on that in a bit. The bottom line here 
is that, as you heard in that summary, and as you already know from listening to the podcast, despite Giga Shanghai, which I remind you, for now is Tesla's biggest factory in terms of production output, that factory was hobbled or outright shut down for a lot of the quarter, Tesla still stayed solidly in the black for Q2. So bravo to the entire Tesla team, all of the Tesla employees listening to this, no matter which aspect, which which discipline in the company you work at, you are part of this success in a difficult quarter. Bravo to you. It was a heck of an achievement. Now, for back to the shareholder letter, some notes on vehicle capacity in each facility. In Fremont, they note in the shareholder letter that the capacity, in other words, the maximum possible output, not what they are actually doing necessarily, but their actual uh, capacity, 100,000 S and X per year, 550,000 threes and Ys. Again, I've said this a million times. I sure would love to know the split there, but what, you know, how many threes and how many Ys individually? My overall guess of that figure for that annual capacity is probably 300,000 Model Y versus 250,000 Model 3, but I can't know for sure. Now in Shanghai, the production capacity is listed as greater than 750,000 threes and Ys, thus beating Fremont's overall output by more than 100,000 cars for now. In Berlin, the currently listed capacity is greater than 250,000 Model Y, which I find a little interesting because we have recently heard that the production capacity there was 500,000, which probably means that the equipment upgrades, there are equipment upgrades that are going to need to happen in Berlin in order to achieve that 500,000 capacity. Although on that note, I do wonder, well, are all 500,000 of those in time going to still be Model Y? Or might Berlin end up building Model 3s for Europe at some point in the future? And then for Texas, Giga Texas, it's also listed as greater than 250,000 Model Y as the production capacity there. In in the uh, little chart that shows the status of each vehicle... Obviously, S3X and Y are all production, but Cybertruck, Semi, and Roadster are, as ever, sadly, in these shareholder letters, continually listed as in development, although now they are joined on that in development list by Robotaxi and others. Yes, that's how it's written, Robotaxi and others as, as one thing. So I have to figure it's probably going to be another two or three quarters of this particular status quo within the shareholder letter before we finally start seeing at least one of those or two of those, presumably the semi first and then the Cybertruck flip to production status instead of in development. Now on that note, the Patreon poll this past week, and by the way, I wanted to note I was thinking about this while I was walking Daisy over the weekend. I have decided to open up the poll each week to anyone. Just any, I figure it's, you know, it's just a poll. It's just a fun thing. Why not? Why, why lock that to just Patreon? Anybody that wants to come can, uh, any listeners can come and vote. So you just got to check in on my Patreon each week 
which again is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And you can vote on each week's poll. And again, as I've been talking about these poll results on each episode, as I will do right now. This week, inspired by the earnings call and all of these you know, status updates or lack thereof on the product roadmap of Tesla vehicles, I asked Patreon, how many new vehicles will Tesla launch next year? The options were all three that are planned, Cybertruck, Semi, and Roadster. Two out of the three, and I asked people to name which two you thought it would be in the comments. One out of three, again, asking people to name which one. Or none of them, 2024 will be huge though. So those were the four options I gave. And with 152 votes, so a nice sampling of the audience there, just a little, you know, obviously it's a, it's a, it's a fraction of a percentage of everyone that listens to this. It's, it's like point. I don't know what that is, 0.01, maybe something like that. Anyway, it's still, you know, it's not 10 people. It's 150 people. And not surprisingly, 59% of those of you that voted said two out of three. And then down in the comments, the majority, almost everybody thought that those two were going to be the semi and the Cybertruck. Most of you believing, which by the way, I agree with you that the Roadster will kick to 2024. 21% thought it would be one out of the three, with the Cybertruck being the most common uh, response there. 16% thinking uh, very optimistically that all three of those vehicles will make it out in 2023. And just 4%, so probably what, five or six people there. I guess that would be six. Six people voting, none of them, but 2024 will be huge. So thank you to everybody that voted in the Patreon poll this week. And again, join me, you know, feel free to pop over to the Patreon page to vote each week uh, and be a part of the podcast. So let's dive back into the earnings call. Under the, excuse me, not the earnings call, the shareholder letter first. I'll get to the earnings call in a moment. Under the autopilot and FSD section, Tesla writes, At the end of Q2 2022, over 100,000 Tesla drivers in North America had access to the FSD beta. Cumulative miles driven by our customers using city streets supervised autonomy continue to grow, that's a bit of a mouthful, continue to grow at an unprecedented scale. Fleet data is an important part of improving and expanding the system. We recently relaunched the enhanced autopilot option in North America, for those customers who are only interested in highway autonomy. More on this in a bit. And then under vehicle software in the shareholder letter, Tesla says, vehicles with adaptive suspension in North America can now automatically adjust to a more comfortable ride height before encountering a section of rough road informed by continuously updated data collected by our fleet. Our latest vehicles now use Tesla Vision to tighten seat belts earlier in a wider array of frontal crashes. We expanded on the UI customization introduced in version 11 software update by allowing vehicle controls such as defrost, windshield wipers, and seat heaters to be one touch away. Well, I talked about the adaptive suspension feature just one or two episodes ago, and I have to say the rest of that... It is a bit humorous for Tesla to call out the fact that they are reverting to old features from V10 
with the windshield wipers and seat heaters being just one touch away on the UI, describing them as as new features, as a new thing. Like, no, we're just we're just turning back the clock on something that probably shouldn't have been changed to a, a multi-step process to begin with. Anyway, finally from the shareholder letter, in the product outlook section at the end of the shareholder letter, which I am always keen to read, the last line of it that all of you are most curious about is, sadly, almost a copy-paste of what we've been seeing for quite a while now in that space every single quarter. It reads... The pace of production ramp, uh, excuse me, the pace of production ramps in Austin and Berlin will be influenced by the successful introduction of many new product and manufacturing technologies in new locations and ongoing supply chain related challenges. Factory ramps take time and Gigafactory Austin and Gigafactory Berlin will be no different. And then here's the part that will sound familiar. We are making progress on the industrialization of Cybertruck which is currently planned for Austin production subsequent to Model Y ramp. I think that's like word for word what we've what was in there the last several uh, product outlook sections in the last several shareholder letters. But more on the Cybertruck to come on this call, though. Although I'll I'll give you a, a spoiler up front. It's nothing radical or uh, amazing. There are no like. Big new updates, but there is the Cybertruck will come up here in a few minutes. Although one more bit of really fantastic news that I, again, want to send out a congratulations to the entire Tesla team. The Fremont factory, where my car came from, and odds are most of your cars came from, produced its two millionth vehicle this past week. And that car was a red Performance Model 3 with black interior, if you're curious. They also passed 3 million vehicles overall recently, thanks to Shanghai's growing contribution. And of course, Texas and Berlin are just starting to chip in as well. So again, hearty congratulations to everybody on the Tesla team, both past and present. It's really, it's just an amazing achievement. 2 million cars. That is cool. And, and what's even cooler to think about is that the next 2 million are going to arrive so much faster than the first 2 million did. It will not take nearly as much time to get those next 2 million out the door. So overall here, a I would say, in fairness, a good but not sexy earnings uh, shareholder letter here. And I would probably say the same about the earnings call itself, but it's always interesting on some level, and it's always nice to hear from Elon. He did appear at this one, he did not skip this as he threatened to a few. I mean, he did skip a couple, but he's been there now again for the last, what, two or three in a row, I think. So let's get to it. The Q2 earnings call. As always, we start with Elon Musk's opening statement. This is six and a half minutes long. Take a listen. So just as a, as a Q2 recap, uh, Q2 was a unique quarter for Tesla due to a prolonged shutdown of our Shanghai factory. But in spite of all these challenges, it was one of the strongest quarters in our history. Most importantly, in June, we achieved production records in both Fremont and Shanghai. And as a result, we have the potential uh, for a record-breaking second half of the year. Um, I do want to emphasize this is obviously subject to force majeure, things, things outside of our control. Uh, the past few years have, have been uh, quite a few force majeures. Um, 
and uh, it's been it's been kind of supply chain hell uh, for several years. Um, credit to our awesome Tesla supply chain team for overcoming um, insanely difficult challenges, um, and uh, you know, huge thanks to uh, the, the Tesla uh, Shanghai factory team who sacrificed a lot to uh, get the factory back up and running in June and achieve a record uh, output. So uh, also uh, making good progress uh, with production ramp uh, with Berlin. We achieved an important milestone of 1,000 cars a week in June, um, and we're expecting uh, so our, our Giga Texas um, to, to exceed uh, the 1,000 vehicle per week milestone in hopefully in the next few months. Um, yeah, we're, we're, uh, to be clear, we're currently making the cars with the uh, 2170 uh, cells, um, and uh, uh, Drew Beglino will address uh, some of the 4680 questions uh, later in this call. Um, but uh, it, it is worth emphasizing that we have enough 2170 cells to, uh, to satisfy uh, all vehicle production for the remainder of the year. So we're not dependent on 4680. Um, 4680 will be important next year, uh, but it is not important this year. Uh, <clears throat> uh, that said, we have installed the second generation of manufacturing equipment for 4680 cells in Texas. And um, and even at our established factories like Fremont and Shanghai, we continue to expand capacity. Uh, regarding autopilot, we have now deployed uh, FSD beta with city streets driving capability to over 100,000 owners. Um, they're, they're very happy with uh, the capabilities of the system and will continue to improve it uh, every week. We've now driven over 35 million miles with FSD beta. That's more autonomous miles than any company company we're aware of. I think probably more than it might be more than any all other companies combined. Um, so, and and that mileage is growing exponentially. With regard to manufacturing and technology, about uh, five or six years ago, we said we wanted to become the the, the best manufacturer in the world, um, and that that is somewhat counterintuitively. Uh, to, to some people, uh, what will actually be, I think, our strongest competitive advantage. Um, we're, we're super pro-manufacturing here at Tesla, and um, in general, we, we want to encourage uh, other companies to be super pro-manufacturing. And um, in, in general, I think it, it is a, <laughs> a very important thing to do. Um, we need to make stuff <laughs> uh, and make it efficiently, and that's manufacturing. So, um, so we've made a lot of advancements in manufacturing processes, um, as we now show in the shareholder deck. Uh, thanks to our uh, the large castings, we, we make the world's largest castings. Uh, we reduced body welding robot count by seventy percent per unit of capacity in uh, Austin and Berlin. Uh, so that's um, you know, call it roughly uh, a body shop that is. Roughly three times smaller than would normally be the case, um, and I should say it's also lighter, uh, cheaper, and has uh, superior noise vibration and harshness. So it's it's good on on every level. Uh, but this journey is not over. We'll uh, bring a whole uh, another level of uh, simplicity and uh, manufacturing improvements with Cybertruck, uh, and future products that we're not quite ready to talk about now, but. I think will be very exciting to unveil in the future. Um, our safety team also introduced a feature that tensions seatbelts if the vision system detects imminent collision, uh, which has never been done before. 
So um, you can imagine that if you have a seatbelt that uh, only tensions upon impact, uh, you have very little time to tension the seatbelt. Um, if you've got to be, the car has literally got to be crunching um, to trigger the seatbelt tensioner. But because we have vision, we can actually see that a collision is about to occur uh, with 100% probability before it actually happens. Um, and so we can tension the seatbelts um, and we can even adjust the, uh, the airbag deployment uh, because we, we can see, not just feel. Um, this is a, a fundamental safety advantage that Teslas uh, are now able to offer. And then this is also an over-the-air update. So if this, this is something that will um, that will, will be in place in, in all cars that have at least uh, AP3 hardware. Uh, in conclusion, uh, we exited Q2 with stronger, a stronger production rate than ever before. Um, our team continues to focus on Cybertruck production readiness um, and some future platform design. Uh, we are expecting to be uh, still, still expecting to be in production with the Cybertruck in the middle of next year. And uh, we're very excited about that product. I think it might it might actually be our best product ever. Uh, let's see. Uh, and FSD beta is on track to be released for all of North American customers before the end of this year. Um, and hopefully, it, if we get regulatory approval, we'll also be releasing it uh, hopefully in Europe and some other parts of the world. Uh, we're hosting our AI day in a few months. I think people will be amazed at what we're able to show off in, in AI day. So it, it basically, it, it, <clears throat> there's a, a tremendous amount to look forward to in the second half of this year. And I want to thank all of our employees and suppliers for their super hard work during these challenging times. A few of the nuggets that jumped out at me from that. First, something that should make anyone with an order for a 3 or a Y feel better, and that is that Tesla has enough 2170 battery cell supply to satisfy all vehicle production for the rest of this year. It is very clear now that Tesla is approaching the transition to the 4680 cells and the structural battery pack very, very cautiously. And you know, I can't blame them. They can't just drop the 2170s like a bad habit. The 4680s are brand new tech that has to be ramped up slowly and monitored carefully. In fact, we will hear more about that exact strategy later in the call. Second, that Tesla has 35 million FSD beta miles from the fleet. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's it will really allow Tesla to get a lot more data than anybody else in the autonomous driving space that just has a solely company-owned fleet like Google or uh, you know one of these other ones. I mean, it's just, it is a built-in competitive advantage. The third thing that jumped out at me is that the Cybertruck remains on target for first deliveries in the middle of next year. But also, did you hear that bit about the Cybertruck introducing even more manufacturing improvements than what they've got going on in the Model Y 2.0? I thought that's that was pretty cool as well. And then finally, the, the other thing that uh, I took note of, Elon continues to stick to his guns on saying that the FSD beta will be ready for a wider rollout before the end of the year. It's July right now. So while there is still some time, we're talking about roughly 10 more updates between now and that happening. And that's 10 at the absolute most, by the way, if Tesla does indeed return to the bi-weekly cadence that they had been on prior to the gap that we've 
we're just coming out of now, the big gap between 10.12 and 10.13. And I say coming out of now because 10.13 is starting to roll out now. And perhaps by the time you've listened to this podcast, you will have already downloaded it if you are an FSD beta tester. I don't have it yet as of listening, as of recording this, but it is, the release notes are out there. The release notes are very extensive. So I'm eager to give it a try. Now, next up, the next clip I have for you is the opening statement from Tesla's CFO, Zach Kirkhorn. Um, I want to start by congratulating the Tesla team on excellent execution during the second quarter. Although our production volume reduced sequentially due to COVID-related shutdowns in Shanghai, we made substantial progress in nearly every area of the business, and in particular, our global vehicle production rate as we exited the quarter. Our Fremont factory, supported by our Reno team, reached new production records. The Shanghai factory resumed full production, and our new factories in Austin and Berlin are progressing well through their initial ramps. Additionally, our energy business achieved record gross profit with the highest solar volumes in many years. I want to personally thank the entire Tesla team, as I know many of you are listening. You've embodied a remarkable and relentless pursuit of excellence in support of our mission. I also want to thank our suppliers for their support during another complicated quarter. On GAAP automotive gross margin, it declined sequentially to 27.9%. Temporary decline in Shanghai production volume meaningfully impacted margin, including idle capacity and factory restart costs, and also had implications on the mix of regional deliveries. Additionally, as discussed on previous calls, we are working through the ramp inefficiencies of our new factories, which are progressing well, but have had an impact on margin as those factories come online. While we continue to see a benefit from higher pricing flowing through, which experienced some foreign exchange-related headwinds, our cost structure continues to experience cost increases from inflation, commodities, and logistics. The energy business progressed well in Q2, aided by alternate solar supply coming online and progress on unit economics. Our storage business remains component-constrained on both Powerwall and Megapack, which we hope will alleviate to some extent in the second half of the year. We are greatly appreciative of the patience and flexibility shown by our customers while we work through these challenges. Within operating expenses, Austin and Berlin-related startup costs have wound down as these factories have moved into production and their costs are now reflected in automotive COGS. Additionally, we converted a majority of our Bitcoin holdings to fiat for a realized gain, offset by impairment charges on the remainder of our holdings, netting a $106 million cost to the P&L included within restructuring and other. We also incurred restructuring charges related to targeted staffing reductions. Yeah, actually, it should be mentioned that um, the reason we uh, sold uh, a bunch of Bitcoin holdings was that we were uncertain as to when the uh, COVID uh, lockdowns in China would alleviate. Uh, so it was important for us to maximize our cash position uh, given the uncertainty of the COVID lockdowns in, in China. Um, uh, we are certainly open to uh, increasing our Bitcoin coin holdings in future. Um, so this should not be taken as some uh, verdict on Bitcoin. Uh, it's just that uh, uh, we were concerned about overall liquidity for the company given COVID shutdowns in China. And we have not sold any of our Dogecoin. We still have it. <laughs> we still have our Dogecoin. Um, uh, uh, despite these challenges, we were still able to achieve one of our strongest operating margins of 
Um, our free cash flows were impacted by working capital related to the Shanghai factory shutdown. However, we expect this will show as a benefit in Q3 as our working capital related cash flows restabilize. As we look ahead, and as Elon mentioned, we are positioned for a record-breaking second half of the year. Uh, we are quite excited about this. A couple things to keep in mind as we progress. Austin and Berlin ramp inefficiencies will continue to weigh on our margins for the balance of the year. However, the impact should reduce as we increase ramp. Second, as we've mentioned before, we expect to continue to see recognized global pricing to increase uh, as our backlog flows through. However, macroeconomic-related cost increases will also continue to be part of our story. And finally, despite losing more builds in Q3 than expected, we're still pushing to reach 50% growth this year. This target has become more difficult, but it remains possible with strong execution. And as Elon mentioned, uh, no more force majeure events for the balance yeah, of the year. A lot of force majeure in the last uh, several years. <laughs> That's for sure. By now, you've probably figured out why I decided to play that, because I usually don't play Zach's uh, opening statement, because it generally tends to be a little more financial, a little more, you know, just kind of nuts and bolts. But yes, Elon jumping in there. And Elon must realize how influential he often is, whether he tries to be or not, since he had to interrupt Zach to clarify that, no, Tesla still believes in cryptocurrency. In other words, please don't let Tesla's sale of most of its Bitcoin crash the price of Bitcoin. Uh, also, I had to listen back to it twice, but Zach clearly stated that they expect vehicle prices to continue to increase. Not great news to hear if you're trying to save up to buy a Tesla. With that out of the way, we move into the most upvoted questions from the retail shareholders now. Sadly, my question about Hardware 4 was not upvoted enough to make it onto the call. I have found, in my experience, if you don't jump on it like right as soon as the those questions open, like as soon as the thing is available to, to ask questions for, you're not going to get enough upvotes to get in there. It seems because... The, the, the couple of times I've registered to, to ask a question, I'm in there like a day or two later, and by then there's already stuff that's just got, you know, it's got a ton of upvotes. So that's a note I'm going to take for myself for future quarters. Anyway, uh, one of the first questions, well, the first question that did make it was a very technical question about basically why Tesla is spending so much time making all of the recent under-the-hood changes to the FSD beta code which is one reason that we've been waiting so long between 10.12 and 10.13. So here is Elon's very technical response to that question. This, this, uh, this answer will be understood by 0.001% of, of the audience, I think. Um, most people don't know what a unified subfactor space would, would actually mean. It essentially would be um, if you uh, can take uh, if, if instead of knitting together static and dynamic objects in C++, uh, if they can be knit together at the neural net level, then uh, you, you don't need to reconcile them within C++ heuristics. Uh, that, is, that, that is an architecturally better way uh, to... Uh, that's, 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 the most, that's the most desirable outcome. Um, uh, it's. It, I think it's. Pro it, it, it's probably not necessary to achieve full self-driving, um, but it would be. Uh, 
a slight improvement in the efficiency of the self-driving. Um, and that's certainly something we want to get to. Um, yeah, the, the sort of uh, Nirvana situation is you, you have uh, surround video uh, auto labeling of all static and dynamic objects, and you have then uh, surround video inference uh, uh, with, uh, with with spatial memory as well. Uh, and that's, I mean, I think we're almost certainly there before the end of the year. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how many people would understand that, but um, sounds good. Uh, I should say also we 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 are also co uh, confident of um, improving the frame rate um, as we uh, as we delete some of the legacy neural nets. Uh, we uh, we think we we might be able to get to the frame rate uh, of of the of eight, all eight cameras, maybe up to 36 fps. Which is actually a lot of frames, considering it's eight cameras. Um, but certainly comfortably above uh, 24 frames, which is basically um, the movie frame rate of movies. Well, I will say I did understand a little of that, <laughs> a little bit. All right, next up was a question about inflation and the rising prices of the cars. This was a hot topic on this call as well. Will those vehicle prices go down? We got a detailed uh, account of this from Elon and Tesla's battery guru, Drew Baglino. There are some silver linings in the dark clouds here. Take a listen. Yeah, so since we have, there's, there's a quite a long wait when somebody orders in a car. Uh, in some cases, it's like six, six months. In some cases, it could be up to a year. We have to anticipate what the probable inflation rate is over that period of time. Um, so uh, that's that's what we're trying to do. Um, at, at when we see, at, you know, when any, or if we see indications that the inflation rate is declining, then uh, we would not need to increase our car prices. It's possible that there could be a slight decrease in in, in car prices, but this is fundamentally de dependent on you know macroeconomic inflation. Uh, it's not something we control. Um, if if I would. Yes, and I wouldn't, you know, take this with a grain of salt. I, th I think inflation will decline towards the end of this year. Uh, we're certainly seeing uh, prices of commodities trending lower. Uh, you know, but take it with a grain of salt. This is making uh, e economic prognostication uh, <laughs> is uh, fraught with error. Um, I don't know if you guys want to, if, if, you know, do you want to say anything about yeah, we're certainly seeing, I mean, it's kind of a whole spectrum. On the battery metal side, for example, the price of lithium has really shot up. Uh, we used to be $11 a kilogram to more than $80 a kilogram. Uh, but, you know, it's not every situation is that bad. So it's kind of a spectrum. Yeah, like carbon steel, aluminum, up to swift, we'll talk less the camera. Carbon steel and, um, and aluminum has started trending down. We will see the benefits of it only probably later part of this year or early next year. Yeah, but I think that's just like we're, for for most commodities, we're seeing a downward trend to, towards the end of this year or, or, or next year. Uh, some uh, commodities, the uh, processing of lithium uh, is insane. Um, I'd like to once again uh, urge entrepreneurs to enter the lithium refining business. Um, the the mining is a relatively uh, 
easy, the, the refining is much harder. So the lithium is actually a very common, uh, sort of very, there's like lithium pretty much everywhere. But you have to refine the lithium into battery grade lithium carbonate and lithium hydroxide, which has the extremely high purity. So it the it is basically like minting money right now. Um, if you there's, there's like software margins uh, in lithium processing right now. So um, I I would really like to encourage once again <laughs> entrepreneurs to enter the lithium refining business. Uh, you can't lose. Uh, it's a uh, license to print money. Lithium prices went up sevenfold. Yikes. But it is good to hear that aluminum, carbon steel, and many of the other materials are trending back downwards. That is better news for anybody that is still looking to order a Tesla uh, that's listening to this, whether it's your first, whether it's your second, whatever, it doesn't matter. You don't want those prices to go up anymore. Uh, by the way, this is not the first time, as you no doubt uh, have, it's maybe feeling a little Groundhog Day-ish, not the first time that Elon has made an open call for more lithium miners and refiners. Does anybody else out there think that lithium could very quickly and very soon uh, be the, like the new oil rush, basically, in terms of an energy boom? Like, I, it sure seems like it. Like, you get the lithium, you, you can make a bunch of money. Now, next up is Elon and Drew giving an update on the 4680 battery cells and structural battery pack progress at the company. That was another frequent topic of questioning on this earnings call. So, so structural pack where we get dual use of the battery uh, or the cells as structure um, and as, as energy storage in the same way that an aircraft gets dual use of the wing as a fuel tank and as a wing um, is, I think, unequivocally, from a physics standpoint, the superior architecture. So it's the A architecture. Now, because it is new, uh, we'll you know we'll start off getting I don't know aspirationally a C within an A architecture, uh, but the potential is there for to get radically better and then unequivocally better uh, than a battery pack which is carried like a sack of potatoes. Um, so yeah, and and, yeah. and we've gained the perspective through putting our first structural pack in production that that it is actually the A architecture. Yeah, like before we did that, it was a hypothesis that was backed with a, got a lot of modeling and first principles analysis. But now we've actually built it and are more confident in that assertion. Uh, yeah, so exactly. So the the, the structural pack, um, e even the the C and the A architecture is beating the uh, non structural pack, um, and so. Over time, it will, uh, with further refinement, um, be substantially superior to uh, a car that is um, carrying a battery pack as though it is cargo. Um, and this, like I said, it's, it's very, very much uh, very analogous to the uh, early days of aviation, where where fuel tanks were initially carried like cargo until they realized actually you should get dual use of the fuel tank as a wing and as as a fuel tank, and that makes the planes lighter and better. Um, and this, the same is true of, of uh, electric vehicles. In other words, what we're seeing with the Model Y 2.0 is the first version, the 1.0, of the structural battery pack. It will improve. 
Like, say, in the Cybertruck? Here's more on that from Elon and Drew. Yeah, I mean, but really, the, the, the two things that, that improve cost are economies of scale and tech and and uh, and core and core technology. So yeah, I think technical issues are not the right. Technical, way technical issues like technology it's like getting to the optimal design, right? Like you always start with some excess. Some people might call it fat, but that's not really what you think it is initially. It's that you don't know how lean you can get it until you've done it a couple times. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some platonic ideal of the perfect product uh, where the atoms you have exactly the right atoms in there in exactly the right position, and you asymptotically approach this platonic ideal, and um, but it takes a lot of effort over time to figure out actually what is what what is the platonic ideal, and and then uh, to actually you know gradually approach that. Yeah, I mean, you might need to create a new alloy, then you need to figure out how to cast it, then, yeah. then you need to ramp the casting machine of the new alloy. As we, an example. We, we did. As an example. <laughs> we've yeah. done it for rotors, yeah. we've done it for the casting, so, like, yeah, but, but, but it does take time. Constant improvement is something we're used to here, and it's something, like, we've done with our vehicles and our designs since the beginning. I mean, even, you know, you know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago, like, the first version of the front casting that we made that went into the early vehicles is, like, model, I mean, Model S days? No, no, I'm talking about, like, our first model Ys. Oh, yeah. yeah we've since we've ordered more dyes, because we need more dyes for more production, we've saved like four or five kilos of mass mm-hmm. just in dye iteration. And and that's something we do at Tesla like quite regularly. Um, and we'll continue to do. So like we're not happy with a C. Like maybe we're at a C plus now, because yeah. <laughs> but like we gotta keep going to get to a B minus uh <laughs> on the rear casting. Um but this will try us room for improvement uh with the uh, casting. Uh so the the casting is already way better than um you know, the, the rear body casting is already way better than the um, than the way it's, it was was done in the past, where you've got you know 120 different parts that are uh, welded together or bonded together um, with different alloys, and and then you have to put sealant in between all the the, the various parts um, for water ingress and uh, noise. So uh, we're already way better than that with current casting, but there's uh, Still, a lot of opportunities to uh, reduce the mass of the casting and also extend the casting to include uh, more parts, um, as well as adapt the rest of the vehicle uh, for the fact that there's a casting. Um, yeah, I was going to th- say the same thing, right? Like, we're not just evaluating the pack in isolation either. Yeah. It's the pack plus the body, the integration. You know, do we have mass in the right places? Do we have the cost in the right places? And only just the right amount. Um, and, and I think, you know, we've gone through one. Iteration loop. We're going to we're doing another one with Cybertruck. I mean, we're taking the learnings and and, and doing you know the next version. Hopefully, is a B a B plus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the A architecture, that's certainly the target. There you have it. The Cybertruck will be version two of the structural battery pack, no doubt incorporating the learnings from this initial Model Y 2.0 design right from the original white sheet of the truck. Like in other words. The Cybertruck, as it was initially drawn up, will incorporate learnings from when Tesla was previously designing the Model Y 2.0. Again, I call it the Model Y 2.0. Tesla doesn't call it that. Anyway, the next retail shareholder question that made it to this call was specifically asking about FSD's progress in the context of Andre Carpathy's departure. Here's what Elon had to say. Well, since Andre was writing all the code by himself, um, <laughs> you know, naturally things have come to a grinding halt. 
Um, and so irony. Um, so uh, uh, Andre is also uh, Andre is awesome, and we have tremendous amount of respect for Andre. Um, uh, you know, he's decided to. I think he, he he wants to contribute more to I think core AI at at, at an academic level um, and get back to coding individually. So, um, but we've got a team of um, about 120 people in our uh, software AI group uh, that are extremely talented, and um, I think we will uh, have. I'm highly confident we will solve. Uh, full self-driving and it still seems to be this year um i know people they're like you know it always says that but uh it does seem to be like like it does seem as though we're converging on solving full self-driving this year wow 120 people imagine being one of those 120 yes the stress the pressure the challenge that i'm sure they all embrace those things must all be immense but think for a second Think if you pull it off, okay, not if, when they pull it off, that you're one of those 120 people. You'll be able to write your ticket anywhere you want to go after that, whether it's sticking around a Tesla, launching a startup, going somewhere else, whatever you want to do, that is going to be just a golden ticket for all 120 of those people. And by the way, I appreciate Elon's self-awareness about his publicly stated timetables there too. Uh, all right, what about Giga Texas's on-site 4680 battery cell production facility? What's the update on that, Drew Baglino? Yeah, so we are making progress on 4680, but uh, right now, as Elon mentioned, we are leveraging supplier cells, which we have in sufficient quantity to ramp Texas and Berlin. Um, we expect to ramp total 4680 production to exceed 1K per week by the end of the year, hopefully before, um, well before. Um, in Q2 at Cato, we fully automated powder conveyance for the dry anode electrode um, tool there, unlocking major increases in production and improvements in yield. Uh, since March, because of that, Cato output has grown uh, 35% uh, month over month each month since, um, and yields throughout the factory are um Already at targets in most areas and trending in that direction and, and a few others. Um, we did f- feed learnings from Fremont cell and pack lines to Texas and Berlin. They aren't a carbon copy. Cell design was revved to unlock higher performance and manufacturing simplicity. Manufacturing lines were further integrated, and we insourced additional content. Uh, for these reasons, there are some new ramp challenges to overcome in Texas um, and Berlin. Specific to Texas last quarter, Cell equipment was fully installed and commissioned, and we produced our first commissioning car sets of cells through the end of the line. Our target for Texas is to begin production this quarter and uh, aim for Texas to be uh, capable of exceeding Cato weekly output for the end of this year. And remember that earlier in the call, Elon told us that the 4680s aren't really material for this year. So that Texas battery facility is gearing up to hit the ground running in 2023 when Tesla's going to need a lot more 4680 cells. I'd imagine that the cells produced there are going to be for the Cybertruck. Now, whether or not those cells have a different battery chemistry or different energy density or any other differences from the cells that are going into the Model Y standard ranges right now remains to be seen. 
But I suspect that's probably highly likely that there will be uh, a higher nickel ca- concentrate or, you know, because we've heard we've heard Elon talk about that, right? That the longer range vehicles need more nickel. So I do think that the the battery factory in Texas on site there will make I mean, it might not make both versions, both battery chemistries, but I suspect there will probably be two battery chemistries and. I mean, it would make sense if both were made on site. I guess it's just going to depend on how quickly they can ramp it up. I mean, the Cato Road cells, the pilot facility that's operational now, I'll bet those cells are going to go into the Tesla Semi. Because if that's made just up the road from Fremont, I mean, not just up the road, but within a truck's distance of of the Gigafactory in Nevada, that would make a lot of sense because that's where that's where the semi is looking to be built. So now the final retail investor question was a point blank question for Elon. When will the Cybertruck customer deliveries begin? Very short answer, but it's a direct one. We're, we're hoping to uh, start delivering them in the middle, the middle of next year. So that is not new news. That is just reaffirming what we have already heard. But I'm happy to hear him sticking to that and that it hasn't been pushed back any further. So start your 365-day countdown timers from right now, and we'll see what happens. If they do hit that target of mid-2023, you know, it would happen just poetically to put the first Cybertruck deliveries almost exactly 11 years after the first Model S deliveries. Those happened on June 22nd, 2012. I mean, it could be really fun if Tesla ends up hitting that exact date for the first Cybertruck deliveries, but I can't imagine that's going to factor into anybody's thinking on the subject, especially when it's not a a big round number anniversary like 10 years. You know, we just had that. That was last month was 10 years since those first Model S deliveries. Next year, you know, 11 years, eh, not as much of a fun round number. All right, now we move on to the analyst questions. First up is more elaboration on the 4680 battery cell plan from Drew and Elon. Yeah, let me just try to provide like a a super straightforward answer. Like, as Elon mentioned before, you know, our priority was really on Simplicity and scale during the initial 4680 and structural battery ramps. So we, we weren't like putting all the bells and whistles in from day one, uh, because if so, we would be sort of suffering under um, a, ser- a, a string of series miracles that we would need to achieve to, to get going. Um, but, you know, as we attain the manufacturing goals that we've stated, you know, hit the ramp that we need to hit next year, we, we are certainly planning to layer in new material technologies uh, and higher range structural packs. Like we're not, we're not like holding back goodies for, for some, you know, rainy day or something like that. It, yeah. Maybe um, another way of putting it is that the, uh, our focus right now is on the basically uh, dozens of, of little issues that inhibit the production ramp of the 4680. Um, so, so some of the more challenging ones have been, um, uh, you know, f- feeding the, uh, the anode and cathode material, uh, for, you know, because we were using this revolutionary uh, uh, dry electrode process. Uh, but when something's revolutionary, it's a lot of 
uh, unknowns that have to be resolved. So uh, we're confident of resolving those unknowns, but it's it's very very difficult. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're making rapid progress on that front. So the, the first order of business is really uh, get the basics right, uh, get to um, high volume and high reliability, and uh, and then very rapidly iterate within that to enhance the energy density and reduce the cost of the uh, cell. Yep. Um, so, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Okay, we're, thanks. We're, we're, I'd say we're we're we are highly confident of of a good outcome. Uh, it's the, the exact counterpoint of that is perhaps uh, it is of some debate, but um, the outcome is not. Yeah, and specific to the dry process, we made ma a major advance uh, this past quarter, and Cato that the team is really excited about, and you know, congrats to the team for achieving that. Um, but I, I should also emphasize that. Um, it, it is not as though Tesla intends to displace our suppliers no. of battery cells. Um, the Tesla battery uh, cell production is uh, in addition to what our suppliers can do. Um, and we want our suppliers to grow their uh, their battery output as fast as they possibly can. Uh, and that goes for the entire supply chain. Uh, the, the fundamental rate limiter for the for both transitioning to sustainable energy is how fast can you grow lithium-ion battery output per year? This is the fundamental rate limiter for both transitioning to sustainability uh, because you need the batteries for two of the pillars of sustainability, the stationary storage and for vehicles. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, and I just want to stress that a lot of these, you know, higher energy density technologies are not necessarily scalable. I mean, most of them are not scalable from what I've seen. And so, like, focusing on them is a distraction from the mission. Like, it, it really is, how do we scale as fast as possible? And, you know, we're taking these risks that we've discussed uh, at Battery Day, and our plan is, a, a, as we de-risk them and they are successful, we want to bring them back to our partners so that they can go faster, too, because that's all on the mission, right? Like, yes. how do we accelerate uh, people often ask me. People often ask me if uh, is, is some breakthrough needed in in battery technology for the world to transition to uh, sustainability. Uh, the answer is no. Uh, even if there was zero uh, technology breakthroughs, literally zero, uh, from where the technology is right now, we could fully transition Earth to sustainable energy. Uh, the, the issue is very much the rate at which. The entire supply chain, from mining to refining to uh, to, to cell production, uh, how fast can that grow? It's growing fast, but the faster it grows, the faster we transition to a sustainable energy economy. You know, Elon noted there that the highest energy density cells aren't necessarily scalable. So perhaps that means that's what's going to go into the roadster whenever that car finally arrives. I mean, that would make sense. The low volume, purpose-built supercar gets the most insane, most powerful cells that can't possibly make sense on a larger volume scale. But setting the Roadster aside, I think the biggest takeaway there is how Tesla has a plan for those 4680 battery cells. I talked about this a few minutes ago, but a very deliberate plan. We are only seeing the quote-unquote worst, big air quotes here, worst version of those cells right now. The 4680 cells that Tesla has in a year or two years or three years from now 
will be capable of a lot more. I mean, that's when we might start to see, say, a 400-mile range Model Y, something like that. And more importantly, though, than that, maybe the the actual answer is the same 300-mile range Model Y, but it needs fewer cells, meaning that Tesla can build more cars utilizing the same number of cells, which certainly feeds the mission statement, right? The more cars... The more EVs Tesla can produce, the better. More about batteries in the next analyst question, which asks what things might look like in another 10 years. Pay very close attention to something Elon says near the very end of this clip. Well, I think it's very difficult to predict uh, anything 10 years from now. I hope civilization is still around, frankly. Um, (laughs) I would count that as a win. Um, it's not that funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every day. Um, you know, hopefully we haven't had World War Three by then. Um, or the Earth hasn't burned up. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, the we we do see uh, constraints in um, refining of the materials necessary for uh, lithium-ion batteries. I, I do want to emphasize this is. It is not due to a scarcity of the raw material. Um, you know, in the case of lithium, lithium is one of the most common elements on Earth. It's pretty much everywhere. Um, but, but, but refining of the lithium uh, into ultra-high purity battery-grade lithium hydroxide and lithium carbonate is uh, quite difficult and requires a massive amount of machinery, and it's, it's, a, it's a hard hard thing to scale. Um, as well, it was also difficult uh, uh, to create the uh, anode and cathode. Uh, the, you know, we, I think part, we, we, my guess is maybe two thirds of, of uh, batteries will be uh, iron phosphate uh, or maybe iron phosphate with some manganese. Um, and there's plenty of, there's a ridiculous amount of iron on Earth. In fact, uh, Earth is. Uh, you know, a little bit of trivia. Somebody says, uh, what is Earth made of more than anything else? Uh, iron. Iron is the number one ingredient of Earth by mass. Uh, number two is oxygen. Yeah, which is wild. But yeah, yeah. oxygen is basically rust. <laughs> you stuff them together. <laughs> We're a rust wall. <laughs> that's roughly, uh, that's almost two thirds of Earth, I think, is rust. Um, <laughs> uh, we are uh, like a rusty ball bearing. Um, with a little bit of other stuff, uh, so, um, but plenty of lithium. So, um, anyway, there's, there's not like a shortage of materials. Um, yeah, I mean, or, but but another thing on that yeah. uh, LFP thing is it, it it isn't just that there's more access to material that way. The actual refining process is less capital intensive to make a good LFP cathode, and so there's 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 it's not just scalable on the resource side; it's scalable on the refining side. Uh, absolutely. It, 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 to be clear, there's there's not uh, there's there's no fundamental barrier here. It's simply a, a rate question. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, at what rate uh, can you scale production? Yeah. And I think we're 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 seeing a very rapid increase in uh, battery production, battery, and in the whole supply chain. Um, um, if you were to say today, what are concerns? Uh, you know, a few years down the road, I would say one of the concerns is. Um, the machinery to refine the the, the critical critical ingredients of uh, lithium ion cells. So the lithium itself, um, and the and then the uh, 
cathode, which as I like I said, we mostly iron phosphate, perhaps with some manganese. Um, like I think almost all stationary storage will be uh, iron phosphate, uh, and uh, and then you'd really just need um, nickel chemistry for for long range vehicles and like aircraft and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I was I would say is um, you know we're working with our suppliers to ramp their capability as quickly as possible, um, and it's not like we have a problem in the next year or two to specifically to your question. Um, but when we look 10 years out, yeah, we need to do more to, to accelerate uh, the growth. Um, and that is why we are making our own investments, like we are building a cathode facility here in Texas. The scale yeah. is going up. You can see it in the flyovers. Um, we're working on uh, lithium refining um, uh, activity as well ourselves, because, you know, the best way to learn how to accelerate something is to do it yourself. So th th these are the things we're doing. Um, to to move move it all forward. Yeah, I mean, if, if our suppliers don't solve these problems, then we will. Yeah. If suppliers don't do it, we will. You know, honestly, with how vertically oriented Tesla is, I'm kind of surprised they haven't already started a lithium mining and refining division. Heck, they've got plenty of cash on hand to do it after Q2. Tesla is now sitting on a Scrooge McDuck-like vault of over $18 billion in cash. I mean, heck, Tesla already went into the insurance business, which honestly would be an even more unexpected pivot to me than lithium mining would be. So I guess we'll see what happens with this. All right, the penultimate clip that I have for you is the response to the following question. How quickly can Tesla fill its overall production capacity? Here's Elon and here's Zach. You know, I, th I think we've got a good chance of, of exiting this year at 40,000 vehicles a week. Yeah, I mean, our, our internal plans are to have the capacity utilized by the end of the year. Uh, it takes time to ramp there. Um, it'll be a challenge. There's a lot that needs to happen to get there. But that's, that's what we're working on. Yeah, we've had many uh, 30,000 car weeks uh, already. So I think a 40,000 car week is uh, within reach um, by the end of this year. So Shanghai and Fremont, as we said last month, were record production and they're really firing. It's bad term. Doing really well. So, yeah. Um, but then Austin and Berlin are, are coming on strong. Theoretically, they also had record quarters <laughs> last yeah. quarter. And if we ramp them to, to the capacity shown in the deck, by the end of this year, we'll be at that rate. Yeah. There's always a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, like in the production ramp looks like an S-curve. Um, and that intermediate part of the S-curve is it's very difficult to predict that with, with high certainty. Um, uh, but the end part of the S-curve, you can say, you know, I think you can have a lot more certainty. And so that's why I'm, you know, confident we'll get to, 5,000 cars a week uh, at, uh, you know, in, in Austin and Berlin. Um, uh, by the end of this year or early next year. And um, probably, but not certainly, uh, 10,000 cars a week at both locations by the end of next year. Well, I went to journalism school, so math is not my strong suit. So you'll forgive me here. 
but 40,000 cars per week is 2 million per year of a run rate. As of how 2022 is looking after the COVID shutdowns and the supply chain issues that we've seen so far, through the first half of the year, Tesla has produced 563,987 cars, but they have a tailwind for the second half with continued ramping of the two new factories, plus the production capacity upgrades coming to Shanghai, and Fremont is presently rocking and rolling right now. So I think it's reasonable to estimate that Tesla could do 800 to 900,000 in the second half of the year, which if they do, would put them between 1.3 and 1.5 million cars produced for the calendar year 2022. And next year, I have every confidence that Tesla's gonna make 2 million cars in the calendar year. Absolutely, barring some you know, unforeseen disaster, which could happen, it's happened before in the, over the last couple of years, but I'm highly confident in 2 million cars for next year. The fact is the future remains so extremely bright for Tesla, despite these choppy waters that they've been sailing through so far in 2022. Now, the final clip I have for you, you you guys know that I hate to end on bad news. I don't like to do that because this is an optimistic podcast that's celebrating this love for these cars and this company that we've got. But that's just how it's shaking out on this one. Here is Elon being asked about whether or not further price increases are planned for FSD. And based on how I've set up this clip, you can probably already guess what the answer is going to be. We'll increase the the price of FSD sometime later this year. Um, I think, you know, probably just before we go to wide beta, where wide beta is, you know, anyone who who wants to, to use the beta software with all the caveats associated with that, can use it, um, then it would make sense to increase the price of FSD. Um, the value of FSD is, I think, uh, extremely high um, and not well understood by most people. It, it is basically currently ridiculously cheap, um, assuming FSD materializes, which it will. First of all, it does sound like that the wide rollout is going to merely just require an opt-in, but it will require an opt-in. It's not actually going to be pushed to every paying FSD user, which was my original interpretation of that when Elon had first mentioned it, what, maybe on the last earnings call. You will have to manually sign up but you won't need to do the safety score dance. You'll just, if you just want it, you can have it. Now, as for the price increase, which was at the heart of that clip, maybe I'm just a small brain who does not get it. Maybe there will be a breakthrough moment where this technology changes the world overnight. Now, I do think it will change the world, but based on my time in the FSD beta so far, I just think it's going to be a gradual march to that nirvana and not some overnight, holy cow kind of moment. I also think we are going to need hardware for 
to get a truly great version of FSD. I'm sure it will be good on the Hardware 3 suite that we've got now, but I have read enough, seen enough, and experienced enough firsthand in the FSD beta to believe that we are going to need more processing, more cameras, and higher resolution. And that, that is why I'm not thrilled about another FSD price increase in 2022. I mean, of course, not that I would ever be thrilled about it, right? I'm a consumer. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not Tesla who's like, yes, more money from FSD. That's great. No, I, I'm never going to root, root for a price increase on that, but you get what I'm saying. So what's it going to go up to? That's the question. Is it going to be $14,000? I think we can rule out 13 because the last time, I think the last one or two times it's gone up, it's been by $2,000. So I don't think they're suddenly going to do a $1,000 increment. Therefore, it's probably going to go up to at least $14,000, possibly a more round number of $15,000. Honestly, I'll say this. I'm very glad that Enhanced Autopilot is back. That's what I would recommend to anybody buying a Tesla now. If you're going to spend any money on Autopilot, as opposed to just taking the basic lane keeping that does come with the car, I am of the opinion that Enhanced Autopilot is still a decent value at $6,000. You may not agree, but that's, that's where I stand on it. Although, if the price goes up and Enhanced Autopilot's price also goes up to, say, $7,000 or $7,500 alongside that FSD price increase, well... Honestly, for me, at that point, it would get pretty tough to recommend even that, even the enhanced autopilot. But at least EAP's features are all there right now. They are accessible right now. You are paying for present performance and not future promises, future potential. Now, there's always the subscription option as well. And who knows if the monthly pricing on that will get raised as well. And and I guess that's a good optimistic note to end on with this topic. That is, I really am genuinely happy that Tesla is offering three, not two, three different paid autopilot options for people now, rather than the one and only option, which doesn't even really make it an option. I mean, I guess you could choose not to take it, but you had one option for most of the past few years, FSD or nothing, or just the basic lane-keeping autopilot that comes with the car. So you know, it, it's just it's good to give people choices and good to give them different paths into these autopilot and full self-driving features. And that is the end of my Q2 earnings call wrap-up, recap, and analysis. I hope you enjoyed that, but the podcast is not done quite yet. As, as it, we're already well over an hour in, I'm going to skip the Ride the Lightning hotline this week, but I will get back to that very soon. Of course, I value your calls. I invite you to continue to call in. You can do so by either calling and leaving a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline, which is a toll-free number, 1-888-989-8752, or record your question on your smartphone's voice recording software, and then email the file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. But I'll be back 
with uh, what's going on with my car, along with your pro tip of the week, and then a wrap up right after this. I want to start here by thanking all of you who wrote to me about my solar slash power wall situation that I talked about on last week's podcast. I got some really good advice from a lot of you, so I can tell you that I am continuing, my wife and I are continuing to explore it further. We had a, I might have some news on my solar situation next week. Let me put it that way. That's uh Things are, I'm optimistic right now that we've got something that's going to work. By the way, uh, <laughs> something crazy that happened to me on the road. This is, I am very grateful that my Model 3 is completely intact and undamaged right now because something wild happened on the freeway and uh, I actually autopilot legitimately saved me on this. So not from like, Injury, I don't think, but but for sure saved me from damage. So let me tell you this story real quick. I'm going down the freeway, autopilot on, as as it always is. Anytime I'm on the freeway, I always turn it on. I I'm in uh, I'm in the second lane over from the left. I don't I don't stay in the left lane. I only use that to pass. That I get out of the way, and I because I'm usually doing 73 and a 65. I'm a I'm a plus eight, or I guess was a 12 percent offset is what I use in my settings. And I usually, usually in that second lane from the left. So I'm just locked in autopilot cruising down. And in the third lane, so the one lane over to the right of me, there is a taxi cab. Uh, it's a Prius, not that that matters in this situation, but Prius taxi cab. And uh, I'm just cruising by and I'm, I'm cruising by it on autopilot. And I'm just looking ahead. I'm looking ahead. I'm not really paying attention to, to this, you know, directly to my my right. And I'm just focused on looking ahead, checking what's going on. And all of a sudden, the car shunts to the left and my wife's like, look out. And then I grab the wheel and and go more to the left. Thankfully, there was there was nobody in the left lane. Because if there was, I can honestly say I, it's possible I would have hit them because I just grabbed the wheel. Like autopilot did move the car and then I moved it more. The The cab, the taxi was just coming right at me. I don't know if he was just drifting, like if he just was losing, you know, maybe his, if his attention was somewhere else and he was just veering out of his lane or if he actually was trying to change lanes right into me. But this car was coming right at me, right next to me. And the car actually reacted first, which I have, I don't think I've ever seen that on with autopilot where it's actually, I've heard about it. I've heard it from other people, but the car initiated a defensive maneuver that if I had not had autopilot turned on, I almost certainly would have been would have been sideswiped right there. I would have been whacked from the from the passenger side. The yeah, the car moved over, and then I grabbed the wheel and moved us over more. Gunned it ahead and back into the, my lane, and then I'm like looking back at this guy, and he's just kind of stone faced, doesn't really. I, and then so of course I save the dash cam clip, and I go back, and sure enough, I'm like, like what the heck happened here, and. You can see it if you want to see the clip. 
It's on my Instagram. I'm, uh, my Instagram handle is DMC underscore Ryan, if you want to check it out. And yeah, it's, I, I, I saw so the dash cam, it's, I see him coming up, like as I'm, you know, because I'm going faster than he is in my lane. So I, I see him from the front facing cameras, and then I switch over to the, the repeater camera, the right repeater camera. And sure enough, he just starts coming right at me. His entire car just starts merging, just starts coming right into my car. Car moves, and then I move it more. And wow, was that scary. Uh, My whole family was in the car. My wife, my daughter, my dog. We were all in the car. Again, I don't think we would have been injured, although who's to say what happens if this guy makes contact with me at 70 miles an hour? What happens next? But... Uh, that was just, and and even, that's not to say maybe we aren't injured, uh, but maybe he goes, you know, you know, it, we, I've seen, I don't know if you've seen Tesla crash videos, like dash cam stuff, but as you know, all the weight, not all, our cars are heavy, number one, and all the weights in the floor. And I have seen cars bounce off of Tesla, like literally like bounce off of them. So who's to say that this, this Prius wouldn't wouldn't have if it had hit us the guy doesn't you know make another move with the wheel or the car goes maybe you know hopefully nothing would have happened but who's to say that it he wouldn't have hit something else or heaven forbid roll the car i don't know but just thank goodness there was no contact and it really was autopilot autopilot made the first defensive maneuver that snapped me to attention and i and then i immediately uh, you know, got the car further out of the way. So just a, an absolutely wild scenario. It's the closest I've been to an accident. I mean, I'm grateful to be able to say that's the closest I've gotten to an accident in maybe ever, but definitely quite some time. Uh, and, and the, and autopilot really, really did its job right there. It was amazing. So check that out on my Instagram if you're curious, but just, Absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. All right. Let's do a pro tip of the week here. Let's get the mood back. (laughs) A lighter mood. Here is Peter from Madison, Wisconsin with a PSA. Hey, Ryan. It's Peter from Madison, Wisconsin. A quick PSA for all your listeners. After moving to a new, beautiful Model S from a Model X, low curbs, ramps, steep driveways, etc. have become something of a little problem since the car is so low to the ground so that air suspension is definitely a friend but now I've got into the habit of stopping short in car parks uh, because of the really low balance in those Model S's and I use Summon to pull the car a little bit closer now here's the PSA like many Tesla owners uh, we have a beautiful English lab and we use the dog mode almost every single time And I always set this before exiting the car, but I found recently if you summon after setting dog mode, dog mode will cancel on you. And you'll need to re-enable dog mode after using the summon feature. So just a quick PSA, please be careful out there for our furry friends and just make sure that dog mode is set after using summon, summon mode. Thanks, Ryan. All the best. Excellent public service announcement there, Peter. Thank you very much for that. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week that you'd like to share with me and your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, please send it my way. 
The same way that you send in a regular Ride the Lightning hotline call, I gave you the instructions for that a little earlier in the podcast. And with that, it is almost time to hit the road, but first, let me mention a few friends of the podcast that might be able to help you out. I'll start with abstractocean.com, purveyors of so many fine aftermarket accessories for your Tesla, many of them lighting-based, whether you want to change the intensity of the brightness of those uh, interior cabin lights, you know, the ones that are down in the door panels, down in the door pockets, the ambient, you know, accessory lighting, or maybe you want to change the color of those lights and get, you know, do purple, do blue, do something else, something that suits your personality, go for it. But they've got so much stuff. You just got to take a look, abstractocean.com. If you do see stuff you like, throw it into your shopping cart. And when you get to check out, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST and you will get 15% off of your first order. That's RTL Podcast, all one word. There's no space in that. The snap plate for all four currently in production Teslas is available at everyamp.com slash RTL. It's the front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds. It does not use automotive tape and stick to your paint on the front of your bumper the way that the one Tesla gives you does. So it's this one's paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, autopilot safe. It's a nice, clean, minimal design. It can be removed entirely and it will look, you know, it'll be as if it was never there. Uh, you can put it on for if you're going to be at a parking meter or going through a toll booth. You can take it off for a car show or for washing or detailing your car, etc. So get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. Next up. Budget Safe Solar. I've been talking to them. And again, that's uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have my own budget safe solar experience to share next week. But in the meantime, I will tell you this: every Tesla owner has a pretty good idea of the costs of their electricity that their car uses, but that number is based on today's rates. None of us knows how much these rates are gonna go up over the next five, ten plus years, unless you've got solar then you know that the rate is zero dollars and zero cents. If you have thought about getting solar installed at your home or office, do what I did and contact a friend of the show, Budget Safe Solar at, obviously, BudgetSafeSolar.com. Their byline is capping tomorrow's energy costs today. Uh, I did speak with Budget Safe Solar. My wife and I are contemplating the plan that they pitched us we're feeling good about it. We're just taking the weekend to make a final decision. And again, I think I may have uh, I may have a longer story to share about my experience with Budget Safe Solar next week. So we'll see how that goes. But if you care to do something yourself with solar with them, because again, check with Tesla. Do what I did. You know, I got a design. I got it. You heard my whole story last week. I won't go through it again. But I'm sure you'll check with Tesla as I did. But check with them too, budgetsafesolar.com. If you do proceed with a solar installation, all I ask humbly is that you use my referral code for that, which is simply RTL. Now, Immaculate Reflections. If you would like to treat yourself, treat your car to some professional detailing, there is no better place you could take it here in the greater San Francisco Bay Area than Immaculate Reflections. Jeff McGovern, the owner and proprietor there and master detailer, has been taking such great care of my car 
when I've needed it over the last four years of owning it. In fact, I guess we'll know. Next week's show will be the four-year anniversary of my of me taking delivery of my car. But uh, yes, Immaculate Reflections has been taking such great care of my car for about four years now. So if you want to do maybe paint protection film on some or all of the car, maybe you want to do paint correction, take out any flaws in the paint, Jeff can do that for you. Maybe you want to do ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the car for the next three to five years. Any of that, all of that, some of that, something else you want, get in touch. IRDetailing.com is the website. That's also how you reach out. You can see examples of his work there as well. And be sure to mention, if you do decide to proceed with booking any detailing work with Immaculate Reflections, please don't forget to mention that you are a listener of Ride the Lightning, and there will be a nice little discount waiting for you, which I appreciate Jeff doing for all of you. How about puretesla.com slash RTL? That's your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs because you got to have a sentry mode set up going in the car because you never know what's going to happen. Like, say, someone trying to swerve into you on the sideswipe you on the freeway at 70 miles an hour. So make sure you've got a good, reliable kit in your car because regular flash USB, just standard USB stick, not as reliable. The micro SD based puretesla.com slash RTL, that solution is reliable. $49 is the price for the 128 gigabyte kit or $69 for the 256 gigabyte kit. Comes fully formatted, ready to go. Ships free anywhere in the United States too, which is a nice bonus. Again, get yours at puretesla.com slash RTL. Finally, uh, Jada makers of the Jada USB hub console for both the newer center console design and the older one, which is what I have in my car. It's that the USB hub console is a storage organizer, USB hub, Apple watch charger, an AirPod charger, all in one, everything your Tesla needs in a single product. Check it out. Uh, they also sell the wireless charging pads. If you do have an older Model 3, as I do, that does not have a wireless charging pad built into it, Get yours at getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. Jada spelled J-E-D-A. I know that's kind of an annoying URL, but that's my referral URL. I would humbly ask that you use it in exchange for you using that kind of annoying URL. I will give you a discount at Jada by using this coupon code. Just punch this in, RTL. It's that simple. You get a discount. So please hit up that referral link if you're going to get anything from Jada. Again, it's getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight with Jada spelled J-E-D-A. I mentioned the Patreon at the top, but just to quickly elaborate on that a little bit more, patreon.com slash Tesla podcast with Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. That is my Patreon page and Patreon is the way that you can choose to support the podcast if you so desire, if you feel that I've earned it. My hope and goal is to earn your support. It cannot be, it is not given, it is earned. I mean, it is given when you choose to give it, but I have to earn it first. And so hopefully by, if you've made it this far, you think the show's enjoyable to you, informative, you know that I'm here week in and week out, no exceptions, so uh, if you do at some point want to support my efforts here with the podcast, 
You can do so on my Patreon at that website that I gave you a second ago. The pledge tiers start at just five bucks a month. What's that, like a, a, co- a coffee at Starbucks? Five bucks a month, you'll be supporting the podcast, and you will get early access to each week's episode. So you do get a perk for that. The month, excuse me, the weekly uh, lightning round bonus episodes that I've been doing and will continue to do, those are available for anyone at the ludicrous tier, which is the $10 a month tier, or higher. There are higher tiers as well with additional perks that all stack. The higher you go, the more perks you get and the more you're supporting the podcast. You can find out all those details at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Uh, what else? I guess if you're not already subscribing to the podcast, that's a free thing that you can do so that the podcast pushes out to you each week. Every time there's a new episode, which is every week at the same time, Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. And I'm on all the major podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and I'm also on YouTube, just audio only, but I am on YouTube if you want to listen there. If you're uh, on YouTube, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla, and you will find me there pretty easily. You can subscribe to my channel. Follow me on Twitter and or Instagram, same handle on both, DMC underscore Ryan. Again, my email address, if you want to reach out for any reason, is teslapodcast at gmail.com. And with that, before I go, let me just say hello and thank you to the top tier backers of the Patreon, starting with the uh, retired plaid level, but the grandfathered in plaid level supporters. Thank you so much for your ongoing support to George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dorian Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla Owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, The Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, The Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Ish, Not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and The Bear Boys of Colorado. An extra big thank you to the Maximum Plaid backers. They are Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, The Galpin Family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron, John Cody, Aaron, excuse me, Andre Kent, apologies, Andre, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, Matt Asbury, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, and Chris Pratt. And the Roadster in Space tier backers, who on top of all the other perks and bonuses, get a monthly one-on-one Zoom hangout with me should they elect to take it each month. 
So thank you so much to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacoveto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, and Kara Weston. That will wrap it up for Ride the Lightning episode 364. This was one of the four quarterly earnings call episodes I get to do a year. As always, these are a lot of work to put together in a short amount of time because the earnings calls are always on Wednesdays and I record on Friday nights. So it's a it's a 48-hour sprint to the finish line each week. But it's always fun to put them together and I'm always happy with the end result. I hope you enjoy these, uh, these quarterly recap episodes as well. And with that, for Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning episode 364, and I will see you back here next week. Happy electric motoring. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.